I just kept finding people who had what I wanted. And I started to talk to them and I started to model my life after them. I wouldn't take advice from people that I wouldn't trade places with. And I kept putting myself in situations and environments and communities that allowed me to be great, that elevated me to my capacity, elevated the capacity, because it's the work that we get to put in that allows us to transform. Welcome to Scrubs and Squats, the podcast where we discuss health and health policy so that you're better prepared to make the decisions that will give you more power over your business, your career, and your life. I'm your host, Tiffany Ryder, professional athlete turned emergency medicine physician associate, health consultant, and benefit strategist. I have nothing to sell you and just ask that if you like what we're doing here, you review this episode and subscribe. Real quick, before we get started, I have to remind you that although I'm a licensed healthcare professional, my ramblings here are just opinions and information and should never be taken as medical advice or as the official views of any affiliated organizations. I believe that primary care providers are the real superheroes and you should check with yours for personalized guidance. All right, on to today's episode. Hey, hey. Today, I'm going to be talking with guest Robin Engelson about her experiences with autoimmunity after being diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder and then going on to share what she learned from that experience with others. I came across Robin in her work as the founder of an organization called Impact You. Impact You is on a mission to support women dealing with a variety of autoimmune disorders and through Impact You, Robin promotes community and encourages her clients to adopt a positive and productive mindset so that they can live healthy, active lifestyles in conjunction with their traditional medical treatments. What I really admire about Robin's messaging is her willingness to work with clients in conjunction with their medical team and the emphasis that she places on what can be done by patients after they receive a scary diagnosis in the midst of what's otherwise a very disempowering experience. She often discusses how she has personally reframed her own mindset to get to the place where she is today and how that reframing has enabled her to live a life where she feels fulfilled and like her autoimmunity has served as her superpower. So we're really happy to have you on, Robin. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Tiffany. I'm super excited to be here and to share my journey and my story in the hopes of helping other people with autoimmunity. Tell me a little bit about your story. Prior to being diagnosed, my anxiety was off the charts. I went in for blood work and I came out with a diagnosis of Hashimoto's thyroid autoimmune disease. I realized through one of my doctors that the anxiety, the insomnia, and the depression was really not that. It was that my thyroid levels were not regulated, which in effect would cause all of these symptoms. After I got diagnosed, I spent two years going to traditional endocrinologists, going from one to the next and getting sicker and sicker until I discovered holistic functional medicine. This holistic functional doctor changed my life because she introduced me to the opportunity and hope then I'm going to feel better. If you have an autoimmune disorder, you're more likely to also suffer from depression or anxiety. And being diagnosed with something that has the potential to greatly change your life is emotionally distressing. In your experience, how have you found the hope? 
Yeah. So that's a great question. I remember specifically talking to one of my doctors about driving past Walmart one day because I wanted to get something and I just kept driving. I didn't turn into the parking lot because I felt like I didn't have the energy to go in there and I just felt depressed. And she says to me, you're not depressed and you have the energy. It's just that your thyroid is not functioning at the right level. And we get to fix that. And we get to find the right combination of medicine, supplements, nutrition, exercise, everything to have you live a healthy, active lifestyle. So when you go past the long word again, you have no problem pulling in and going into the store with your son to get whatever you were going to get. That should be the business that we're all in, no matter what approach we're taking to try to encourage a healthy lifestyle in the absence of disease or in the presence of it in this case. But you talk a lot about mindset in your work. There's this message of empowerment and recognition of autoimmunity, but almost as a trigger for making changes in order to support your body in whatever way that you can, medication and lifestyle integration. Tell me how you got to this wonderful, positive place that you're in. So I don't know if this functional doctor was the reason, but you don't know how bad you feel until you feel slightly better. And that was the key for me. Then I started to feel better. I started to get my old self back. And I didn't realize that my old self still wasn't great. Like I didn't feel great. And so this whole transformation of wanting to do more, wanting to feel better, wanting to prove to myself and my family and show other moms what's possible with autoimmunity, that it's not the end of your life. It's simply the beginning. Taking my diagnosis and transforming it into my superpower and allowing me to transform myself. Part of that is surrounding myself with other people in a community of positivity. And what that does to you is make you feel good. Knowing that, okay, if they're feeling this good, like I could feel even better. So I just kept finding people who had what I wanted. And I started to talk to them and I started to model my life after them. I wouldn't take advice from people that I wouldn't trade places with. And I kept putting myself in situations and environments and communities that allowed me to be great, that elevated me to my capacity, elevated the capacity, because it's the work that we get to put in that allows us to transform. In order to transform your mindset, you have to let go of your job. But you get to do it in a way that works for you and to let go and release it so the weight is lifted off your shoulders. Because here's the thing. The way you show up as an adult is a direct byproduct of who you were as a child and how you were treated in the situations and circumstances you were in. No fault to your own. And so you get to choose to continue like that or to break through that and have discipline and dedication and commitment which equals happiness and confidence and freedom. There are so many wonderful things to unpack in that story. I think something that has been impactful to me most recently is I've become a huge fan of Alex Hormozy. Are you familiar with Alex? All right. He's an entrepreneur. He's a business owner. That's understating it. He's wildly successful. One of the things that he says is the power follows the pointer finger. So you were talking about as a child, your parents have influence, they have power over you. But what's important that sometimes it takes years and years to figure out is the longer we stay in that place where we say, oh, I am this, 
because of my childhood. I am this because of experiences I've had. That was true at some point. But taking the responsibility and saying, but I am an adult right now and I am who I am right now because these are the actions I'm choosing to take. And this is the mindset I'm choosing to be in. And these are the people I'm choosing to surround myself with. Hurts a little, right? When you're not in the place you want to be in and you have to admit that you're not in the place that you want to be in because of choices that you are now actively making as the adult, as the responsible party for your body and mind. That's a tough transition, but it's also extremely empowering. I love that your story really incorporates a lot of things that I believe. I very much believe in traditional Western medicine. I'm not saying that our healthcare system is run perfectly, but I'm on board, right? That thyroid medication, if you need that, then you need it. But at the same time, I also believe my patients when they say things like, this medication is making me feel sick. What can I do? There's something else that's off there. And I really think that part of the reason that I'm actually here on this podcast and on LinkedIn is to talk about these polarizing concepts. And I don't believe that I have to say that a specific medicine is the only treatment for something. And I also don't think that I have to say, no, you should never take medications. Medications are bad. You should only use diet and exercise, right? And I think that our society has gotten in this funk where we feel like we have to be polarized all the way to one side or the other when really the truth is likely somewhere in the middle. In the medical literature, there's been discussion of things like a gluten-free diet for Hashimoto's. How did you go about teasing out different diets to try or what diet might be good for you? What did that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. You're going to find what works for you. One mold doesn't fit all. Just like with medication, what you just mentioned, not every medication is for every patient with the same diagnosis. It's how you feel. So what I did was just really elimination. I tried different things. If it worked for me, great. If it didn't, I moved on. But I tried it for at least a week, right? Seven days is a good test to see how your body reacts. And then I would tweak it. So I've always been dairy-free because I'm allergic to dairy. Okay. And then gluten is one of the things that you mentioned that is typically what people eliminate in their diet when they do have thyroid disease or issue. So I eliminated it. And what I found is that I'm not allergic to it, but I have an intolerance to it. And it was contributing to constipation and bloating and just not feeling good. So I eliminated it and I just stopped. And I completely eliminated it from my diet. So I'm dairy and gluten-free. And I have been for over 10 years. And was it hard at first? Yes, of course. Everything's hard. But choose your heart. Do you want to feel good or do you want to feel like crap every day? I want to feel good every day. And now there's so many options for gluten-free. I mean, there's a whole section in the grocery store. And dairy-free. And I'm a phenomenal baker. So when I did ones, I just swapped out ingredients. Trial and error. And most of the time, it still tasted fine. And you don't really know that it's different. And so it's really just working with yourself and just knowing that it's going to be okay. It's not the end of the world. You can do it. And when you choose to make a decision that's going to impact your life, you're just going to feel better all the way around. This is a question that in the emergency room, 
believe it or not, I get asked all the time. My child's always been slightly allergic to dairy. Her allergy tests say that she's somewhat reactive to it, but her pediatrician says that maybe she'll grow out of it. Should I give her dairy? And, and I'm sitting there thinking, this is so far beyond my scope of practice. Like, this is not really applicable, but I can say that dairy is not why your child is here with the flu, right? That, that we could do. But in general, when I'm asked these questions, my thought process is, if the pediatrician is okay with you trying something, right? If you've been told this is not life-threatening, this is an intolerance, this is whatever, the answer to, is this food item that I'm intolerant to good for me, I personally think is, I don't know, try it. Listen to your body. Does your body say that it's good for you? When you have this, are you constipated and low energy and feel like garbage? Then it's probably not the best choice for you. And I think this comes up in, in food diet plans in general. I come from the health and fitness world. And there's always, always a new diet, right? Is, is the Atkins for you? Is intermittent fasting for you? Is the carnivore diet for you? Like you could just go on and on with the different options for a diet. And we should certainly exclude things that are overtly unhealthy for you. Like not eating for the next, I don't know, six weeks. There are people that would argue that was fine too, but I would say, okay, let's go with that's on the risky end. Let's not do that. But really, if oatmeal in the morning allows you to feel good throughout the day and provides energy and supports your bowel function and your exercise routine, then I'm not going to argue and say that you shouldn't have oatmeal. But if you tell me that when you have oatmeal, you're hungry all day and you feel sluggish, but when you have eggs, you feel really great. What do I care? <laughs> and I think that there's a history of patients and the general population not feeling empowered to make those types of decisions because there's a lot of news and press and control around advocating for extreme diets or extreme stances that really, if we're honest, we probably just don't know the answer to, and that's okay. You know, like it's the education, right? You don't know what you don't know and you only know what you know. So a lot of times, and I work with clients all the time, that they just don't know and they want to be educated. So they're asking the trusted source that they're working with and they may or may not try something or they may be doing something because they think it's in their best interest that they don't realize how detrimental it is to their body and how they feel. Absolutely. Twitter in my personal life, it's like my dirty secret. And I saw a meme the other day and it was making fun. It said, coffee will give you a long life. And then the other side of the meme was like, you know, something about how coffee will kill you. Benai Prasad has a great link that I can put in the show notes. But when you look at the nutrition science, so much of it is done in such a way that it's essentially just an exercise of entering in the right data. And then you can get the output that you want, right? You have a large data source. You put the prompts in. You run the statistical analysis that supports whatever might be interesting on the front of the New York Times. And then that's what you get. So there are certainly truths to be had, right? We know pretty definitively that a ton of sugar is bad for you. 
We know pretty definitively that if you are anaphylactically allergic to something, that's not the best thing for you to try in your living room at home, right? Like There are like few truths there, but there's so much that's really just unknown with very finicky, wide confidence intervals and not strong data conclusions that the idea of an elimination diet seems like a reasonable approach. So I love that that was where you ended up because I think it gives you a lot of really valuable information. Thank you. And I, I just, one thing about research about the sugar and carbs or whatever you're working on, people may know it, but they may not apply it, right? Because mm-hmm. what they're doing at home is what they know mm-hmm. and think they feel good, even though they may not be sleeping well. Mm-hmm. They try to be other things that, why am I not sleeping well? Or why am I snoring? Why am I winded after walking so far? They never bring it back to nutrition. And in my opinion, it's about the nutrition. Yes, you can have medical issues behind it, of course. But when you choose to improve your nutrition and reduce the sugar and reduce the unhealthy carbs and fuel your body with the proper nutrients, vitamins and minerals and proteins, you're going to feel better and you may sleep better and you may stop snoring as much and you may be able to walk further. So I think a lot of it still is the education part of it and really understanding that when you have the education and you apply the education, you're going to feel better. Yeah. My general approach to patients, friends, family, anybody is if you're asking me a question about your health, the answer is go see your primary care. So I think that's a good first step for anyone. Whatever symptom you're having, like you mentioned snoring or you mentioned feeling winded, it's always a good idea to go and make sure there's not some anomaly like you described that you wouldn't have known without that blood work. But I think for a lot of people, they get to that step, but then that's the only step that they take, right? And what I think is really nice and the way I would love to see the system working is I have a problem. Maybe I'm feeling low energy. Maybe I'm feeling a little melancholy, whatever it is. I go to my primary care and I say, I'm having these symptoms. Can you just give me a once over good physical exam, maybe blood work, make sure that there's nothing going on. And once the clearance from the PCP says, I don't really have any great explanation for what's going on with you, or like in your case, they did, then you move to whatever the next logical step is. But I don't think that that precludes well, now you get to just live with low energy or live feeling melancholy, right? Like the next step should be, even if there's no medical issue identified, the next step is, are there things that I could change in my life? Could I exercise? Exercise is a big topic for me just because I feel like there's just overwhelming evidence on the mental health effects of exercise. For example, people feel better if they're moving. And I hear on a regular basis, well, I can't walk for 30 minutes. That is not possible for me. And my answer is, I totally get that. But can you walk for one minute? And then if you walked for one minute several times a day or just every day, could you one day maybe walk for two minutes? Right. Right. And I I think we're missing that. And that is the piece where... I, as a licensed healthcare provider, am not anti 
coaching. I'm not anti-dietitian. I'm not anti-physical therapy. I feel like there is a place for a medical exam. And then there's also a place for having these non-physician, non-PA, non-NP people who have a different skill set who can help patients get to a better place. So I would love to hear what you are doing to encourage people to seek medical treatment, but also work on their diet and increase activity or whatever it is you guys are doing. Tell me about that. So what I do and how I help people is the combination of the clinician and myself as the expertise in what we do. So I don't prescribe medicine. I'm not licensed to do that. With a thyroid condition, you need medication. And I'm a proponent of that when it's the right medication, right? So going to a doctor practitioner, they're not a nutrition expert. They're not a mindset expert, right? Not you by can... any stretch. Right. <laughs> so that's where the combination comes in of working together side by side to help my clients or to help people in general. Because I can work with you. I do work with you and I share with you what medication in my experience and my knowledge might be breakthrough that you're not already using and supplementation. So then you go back to your doctor. I work with you on what's going to serve you and how it's going to make you feel. It's that working together and the combination of that with the medicine and the supplementation and then having me help you customize and plan that you can stick to. So it's not a fad that makes you feel better. And then allowing me to help you shift your mindset. So when you do go back to the doctor's visit and you get your blood work done, things are different, right? You've shifted. And when you feel good and you allow yourself to change your mindset, you're going to change your life. And if there's other things going on in your body, they're going to be better too. I think there's just a lack of awareness, perhaps, of what is available. And it's hard for us because I certainly don't want to send one of my patients to someone who might tell them that medication shouldn't be taken. And I think that this is the underlying fear, at least just from my personal perspective. I know that I can't provide the handholding that a patient with a new diagnosis is going to need. I know that they need support in between those medical visits, and I don't believe that I am the most equipped to do that for them. But at the same time, I think there's certainly a fear because a lot of people talking about nutrition and exercise perhaps aren't educated on what could be harmful for patients. And I think that that just creates an environment where clinicians are scared. And so we just opt out because instead of taking the risk of perhaps doing harm, we would rather do nothing, even though we know that's doing harm. So I have a lot of clinicians in my audience that listen to this. What would you say are things to look out for when we're choosing who to send our patients to? Because I think a lot of us would love to have the support of a health coach. Sure. So I think it's really important to first have a conversation with the person that you're referring them to. Mm -hmm. Talk to me, mm -hmm. right? See what I'm about, because I'm going to interview you too. I think it's really just finding that common ground, having a conversation, knowing what I stand for and what I do to help people. What is the void that you have as a doctor and not in a bad way, just not your training that I can still so the patient slash client has the best experience. I love that. 
Yeah, it's really important because I didn't find my mentors and coaches in conjunction with my doctors. I wouldn't have been able to be where I am today. It's the combination. They don't know each other. It's unfortunate. But I was hungry. I knew where the void was. So I found the answer. And And I love that your answer to my question is kindergarten level, right? Really? Just reach out and talk to whomever you may want to work with. So as a clinician, if I had a patient whose situation improved, someone came in, they were struggling with something, they come back in, they say, I'm no longer eating as much processed foods or I'm eating more vegetables or whatever it is. And I've lost five pounds and I've got greater energy and I'm able to adhere to my medication regimen and I'm overall just feeling better. My first question is, whoa, stop right there. What did you do? How did you do this? Right? Because I immediately want all of my patients to have this wonderful experience. So I think back to empowering people. Anyone who's listening to this as a patient who's found hope and healing through working with a health coach or a dietitian or whatever it is that you're doing that's helping you, tell your clinicians about this. Don't assume that they're just going to think that you're crazy and want to move on with things because that's not always true. There are certainly times that I think that when my patients tell me what they're doing and I think, oh, goodness, I'm not sure that this is the best idea. But there are also times when I've actually had the rare moments of that story where a patient comes in and they're just doing miraculously well after a long period of not doing miraculously well. And the answer is, I found a personal trainer and they look forward to seeing me and I look forward to seeing them and I'm exercising three times a week, right? Or whatever it is. But it's certainly something that I think can be incorporated and should be incorporated. We just don't know how to do it. Not yet. Not yet. I love that. Not yet. And I love what you said too, Tiffany, because that exact situation happened to me. I went back okay. for blood work. I was going every three months, then six months, then a year because I kept getting better and better. And at one point, my doctor said to me, your blood work is phenomenal. Like this is not normal based on what you've had last time, right? What are you doing? She actually asked me, what are you doing? I said, I changed my nutrition. I found a health coach and I found a mindset coach and I'm changing my life. And she said, good for you. It's showing and I'm so proud of you. Yeah, that's awesome. Wanted to know. And so I think just having, again, having the conversation is really where it's at. And that's where we get to start. So we can move forward with what you said of bringing together the clinicians and the coach. So it's one holistic care for the client slash patient. Yeah. So before we hit record, you and I were chatting. And one of the things you said, I think really speaks to this. You were talking about how sharing your story is really an act of kindness. It's a gift to others because keeping it inside means that you don't get to share what worked for you or what didn't work for you. And I think that's powerful in this case. Yeah. Yeah. I agree that keeping your story to yourself is selfish because when you share, you could help one person and that makes the world better. And when you spread word kindness, everyone's better. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the take-home message here is that we all have more power than we think we do. Clinicians want to know more about how to help our patients. And so... If you're a health coach and you find yourself in this position where you have a client who is getting better, offer them your card. Have them talk to their clinician about it. Be willing to open 
the conversation with a clinician. And I think obviously the same is true for us, just being willing to have those conversations and find out what other resources there could be to help. Absolutely. So I'd love to hear about how you work with people, if there are people who are suffering from autoimmunity or Hashimoto specifically, who do you work with? Who do you help? How do you help them? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking. So I work with moms, working moms. I help them with one-on-one coaching and if they choose group coaching. And what we do is we really just dig deep into nutrition, fitness, mindset, and accountability. We create a seven-day meal plan that works for you. We create an accountability tracker to hold you accountable. We work on your mindset and shifting from where you are, releasing your past so you can move forward. And then really just understanding who you are as a person so you can love yourself from the inside and out and put yourself first as a priority because it's not selfish, it's necessary. So it sounds like you're creating a positive space that's focused on giving your clients their power back. Yeah, really. It's getting your life back. Really get your life back. And you're worth it. And I help you get there. That's awesome. I love that. And I love that you're incorporating community because I think that there's a lot of people suffering on their own. And that was really the impetus for starting this podcast. The more that we share our stories and are able to suffered, but also thrive together and share that support and love and successes and setbacks and not yet. We're not winning yet. We haven't figured out the right diet yet. I think that's really the attitude that I'm looking to promote here. And it sounds like that's what you're promoting in your work. Yes, for sure. So how can we find out more about you? How can I follow you to make sure you're the real deal? How can I reach out if I'm curious about how to join the community? Absolutely. So you can find me on all social media platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Robin Engelson. That's R-O-B-Y-N. Last name is E-N-G-E-L-S-O-N. And I look forward to hearing from you. DM me, follow me, connect with me. I'm here for you as a resource. No question is a stupid question. You don't know unless you ask. And I'm really excited to connect with you and help you live instead of reset. Awesome, Robin. I love your message. I really love that you have found this middle ground because I think that this middle ground is where people will thrive. You found a way to create a bridge between being a passive patient who just shows up to the doctor and doesn't maybe doesn't understand their condition or understand how to optimize their health. And this other side that says you have more power than you think. Really do. And really, I just, I can't even imagine the possibilities if there was more of this in the world. So I'm just so grateful to have met you and, and been able to learn about the work that you're doing. So I appreciate you. Absolutely. And thank you so much. I appreciate you too, Tiffany. It's been a pleasure being on your podcast and sharing this information with your audience and listeners and the hopes of helping one person today. That's awesome. And I think we will do that. Fantastic. Thanks, Robin. You're welcome. Thank you, Tiffany. All right. That is it for today's episode of Scrubs and Squats. I hope you enjoyed. And if you did, please like, review, and subscribe. And we will see you next week.